Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system, and that makes them our enemies. Have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. Many of them are so nerd, so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect us. What's up, y'all? What's up, Cass? What's up, Stiletto Naturalist? How y'all doing? How's the audio? Is my audio good? It's it's been it's been roughly 35, 40 days since I've been on here because I was banned on on Facebook. And so my stream yard is connected to my Facebook account. So I really didn't feel like like going live or doing any live streams. But today is my first day out of you know out of Facebook jail. And it, I think it's 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 right on time. It's about timing, right? Because um What's been going on uh, on social media, uh, YouTube, Twitter, and other places is this um, infighting that's going on between the ADOS founders, Antonio Moore and Yvette Carnell, and uh, one Mr. Tariq Nasheed, Mr. Hidden Colors, Mr. King Flex. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, I, I like Tariq. I think he's, um, I think he's intelligent. I think he's entertaining. He's a funny guy, but I don't think that this is his particular wheelhouse. Um, what started a lot of this was the other day, Dr. Claude Anderson was on an interview with the breakfast club. And on this interview with the Breakfast Club, he went into his whole uh, spiel about, uh, you know, black nationalism, um, black economics, black self-determination and these diff these other different things. And uh, just to be to make myself clear, I don't have a problem per se with black nationalism. Um, what I have a problem with is when these black nationalists will posture and position black nationalism as a counter to the civil rights movement or a civil rights approach. 
when, in my estimation, it would be apparent to any objective, pragmatic observer that the adequate approach would be both. You would utilize a civil rights approach and you would utilize a black nationalist approach, utilizing those respective philosophies where applicable. However, it's wrongheaded to favor one entirely over the other. So you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. But this is what we are constantly sold and given by many of these pro-black aficionados, by many of these pro-black capitalists and black nationalists. This idea or notion that this is a zero-sum game. And so in the wake of uh, Dr. Claude Anderson's interview, Yvette and Antonio Moore correctly criticized the elder because no one is above critique. And the moment they did that, there was this firestorm from many of the these Negroes, these uh, social media personalities who pride themselves on being B1, who pride themselves on being pro-Black, who pride themselves on being Black nationalists. There was a visceral reaction. And what this speaks to is that for the longest time in this country, that political thought has been rooted and steeped in emotionalism and traditionalism. It hasn't really been steeped in intellectualism. Stepping back, taking an objective, pragmatic approach and seeing what is the best way of how we move forward. I mean, on Dr. Claude Anderson's interview with The Breakfast Club, his entire interview, the entire premise of his interview, what's up, Sister Dorch? The entire premise of his interview was basically him lamenting and crying about the civil rights movement. I mean, here it is where some uh, almost 60 years removed from the civil rights movement and he's still whining and complaining, talking about how integration destroyed black businesses. Which, number one, isn't even accurate. That's number one. Like your, your argument if it was accurate in its assessment, but it's not accurate in its assessment. Because when you look at the fact that it was the creation of these multi-conglomerate corporations and globalization that uh, broke down many mom and pop businesses that actually led to the waning of black businesses in the black community. When you look at much of the businesses that existed during the civil rights period, during that civil rights era, these were menial businesses. Grocers, small convenience stores, barbershops, accounting services, things like this. See, uh, if you notice, they will say that integration destroyed black business, but they never say integration destroyed black industry. Why? Because black industry has never existed. Because the only way an industry can exist and thrive is if the government makes it possible for that industry to thrive. See, this is where the federal government gets its overarching powers over the states from the ability to regulate 
commerce. The ability to regulate commerce. So I'll just put it in this context. Think about um, a major shipping corporation like UPS trying to operate and function and become a, a multi-conglomerate corporation without ATSA, without an air traffic control system that's ran and overseen by the government. Think about that. If you don't have the government establishing airports and establishing um, systems that regulate air traffic control, do you really think UPS would, would have risen to what it is today? No. Same thing with roads and bridges. In order for industries to exist, in order for corporations to exist and to thrive and to function, the government must create infrastructure and maintain infrastructure. Period. You can't get your goods all over the world and have your goods exported if the government doesn't have trade deals with foreign nations and foreign powers. So your corporation can't even grow to be a multi-conglomerate, multi-international corporation if the government isn't doing what it's supposed to do. This is what you pay taxes for. So on the topic of when we talk about social economics of black society, Antonio Moore and Cornell are correct in their assessments. And the way I know that Antonio Moore and Yvette Carnell are correct in their assessments is because before they ever came on the scene, I did my own research, my own study of the civil rights movement, my own study of black nationalism, of black capitalism, black business as a form of social uplift, and came to the same conclusion. That what many of these individuals are advocating for is for the right of the black capitalists to have a monopoly on the black consumer. That is it. I mean, here it is in 1936. Famed black economist Abram L. Harris, author of The Black Worker, author of The Black, The Negro as Capitalist, correctly stated in his 1936 work that black capitalism as a form of social upliftment for black people will eventually fail because capital will always be, will always rest in the control of the white capitalist. So that would always be inadequate. The only force or the only entity strong enough or massive enough or powerful enough to change the fortunes the socioeconomic fortunes of American Negroes would be the federal government. So when we talk about the socioeconomics of Negroes, it's not an economic issue. It's a political issue. It's a political issue. Economics are, 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 are merely a reflection of the politics. Not the other way around. Think about this. The entire white American middle class is government created. 
government-sponsored, government-subsidized, and government-maintained. So what does this mean? What am I saying exactly? If you go back and you look at the labor statistics from the 1950s, from the 1960s, you'll see that Negroes actually comprise a greater share of the labor force than white society. Why? The reason why is because black men and black women have always represented a larger part of the labor force in this country. See? So what this means is that the, the, the very wealth that was distributed throughout the, the socioeconomic apparatus of America, creating the American middle class, the GI Bill, these other different things was, was, was in part paid dollars by black tax dollars. Taxes are fundamentally a B Money says, I disagree with that premise. Motown was built from the ground up and became a conglomerate with no government intervention. So do you think the mailing, the, the mail system that Motown would have used? Like all of all of the, the, the parts and apparatuses that that make music traverse land and sea, if you think Motown did that on its own, then you need your head checked. You need your head examined. You need your head examined. If the government does not create and maintain infrastructure, business cannot do what it needs. Business cannot do what it does. Period. How did they get their music from, from, from America? How? Especially at a time when you had vinyl records and an actual terrestrial radio, not like it is now with, 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 with in a digital age. How do you think they did that? For crying out loud, like there, there are treaties that regulate the trade routes through water, the naval trade routes. How do you think that works? It's the government that does that. There's no import that comes from another country that doesn't go through customs first. That's government. Black people are the only demographic and only group of people who are shamed for being dependent on the government doing what it's supposed to do for its citizens. The only people. See? And so what you have is you have individuals like Tariq Nasheed who peddle this idea about group group economics, black empowerment, and what they will do is they will sell and peddle this idea to Negroes. And they will tell these Negroes, we gotta we, we, we gotta do crowdfunding, donate, give me money. Then they create their product, hidden colors, and then sell it back to you. So wait a minute. On the on the front end. <clears throat> on the front end, you're socialist. 
on the back end, you're capitalist. Make that make sense. And then someone he'll say or one of his supporters will say, well, I mean, people invest in businesses all the time. They do, but they get a return on their investment. They get a return. There's a difference between a donation and an investment. So you can't say that you're setting these, making these documentaries as a black nationalist exercise, utilizing black dollars that were donated to you, and then turning right around and using a capitalist model and saying, well, and then sending it back to the same people who gave you the money to create the product in the first place. <laughs> what business does that? That's not business. That's not business. If, 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 if black people giving you this money is an investment, then they return, they, they deserve a part of the profits from their investment. So when it suits you, you call it a donation when you're doing the black nationalist thing. But then when you want to do the black capitalist thing, now it's an investment. Which one is it? And this is the type of logic and doublespeak that we see routinely coming from many of these pro-black clowns. And this is why I don't want to I don't want to hear their mouths. Dr. Anderson, in one part of his interview, stated that 87% of the wealth is comprised and concentrated in white America, which means another 13% is available. If you look at any of the data, we'll see that roughly back hands or back businesses or whatever you want to call it. What I would like for anyone to, to explain to me is how circulating 2.6% of all the wealth creates more wealth. How? How, is, how does that happen? If 87% of the wealth is locked and concentrated in white hands, then the government is the only entity with the wherewithal to redistribute that 87%. And this is what many of these corporations understand that we don't understand. And they primarily do this through tax policy. When you had the creation of voodoo economics, the voodoo economic model that was peddled by Ronald Reagan, which essentially redistributed the wealth to the top 1% in this country. The creation of the credit economy, creating this decadent veil of wealth that isn't really real. This is what we're dealing with. The entire history of economics in this country proves the black nationalists and the pro-black capitalist mantra and dogma as incorrect. Because that is not the way the wealth has been created or distributed in this country. It has been entirely at the behest and at the, uh, in the purview of the government. Period.
white folks do not have more money because they were better at bootstrapism than we were. That is absurd. And it flies in the face of what we know about the racial history in this country. And what you actually have is you have individuals like Tariq Rashid, Jason Black, and others who bloviate about being a representation of the grassroots while the very economic model they espouse is actually elitist and a representation of the bourgeoisie sensibilities of, uh, of the upper echelon top tier black society. That's actually where that comes from. That's actually where it comes from. Even when you talk like liberation, and I've talked about this, how the term liberation is merely a platitude. It is not a reality anywhere on the the fact of the matter is that human beings are resource-based creatures. We need resources to live, thrive, and survive. And the resources of the planet are finite. And so because they are finite, there's, we are always in a constant struggle for survival. So when you talk about liberation, what's up, Kenneth? When you talk about liberation, It's merely an abstract idea. It is not concrete because there is no mode of black existence in which we are not coexisting with colonialist, imperialist, and white supremacist powers. So when we talk about the fortunes of Negroes, it's 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 solely predicated on economic metrics. Where do we rank in terms of education? Where do we rank in terms of uh, access to health care? Where do we rank in terms of home ownership? Where do we rank in terms of liquidity? Where do we rank in terms of uh, business acquisition? Where do we rank? Matter of fact, if you look at the statistics, there are actually more black businesses today than there were in the 1960s. Explain that. While you sit here and say that integration destroyed black businesses, we have more black businesses today than we did in the 1960s. Look that up if you don't believe me. See, and this is and this is exactly what I've been talking about. No one is saying to have politics without economics. No one is saying that. The problem is, is that many of these Negroes, when they hear about politics, they automatically start thinking about voting. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the political will. How do you create the political will to get the government and the powers that be to do what they're supposed to do 
doing in the interest of the citizens. See, part of the key cog of black nationalism and pro-black uh, dogma is, is peddling this white supremacist notion to Negroes that they are not citizens, that they are not American. And they do this, they force this by using emotional triggers. So they'll reference slavery, they'll reference police brutality, they'll reference Jim Crow. But the fact of the matter is, is that you pay taxes as an American citizen. This is why your birth certificate is traded on the New York Stock Exchange, because your birth certificate is a representation of your human productivity and human consumption. So this plays a part into the gross domestic product of America. Your social security number is connected to the national debt because you're a citizen. You are a citizen. Racial parallelism is actually white appeasement. What these individuals call black separation and black nationalism is actually white appeasement. That's all it is. We're going to use thrift. We're going to use hard work. Not a Washington. I mean, the Booker T. Washington model. We're not going to rock the boat. We're not going to going to task the government with doing what it's supposed to do for us as citizens, despite the fact that we have taken part in every American conflict. But they'll tell you you're not a citizen and niggas will believe it. Coming with that stupid Morris bullshit that's outdated. See, because what these individuals really, really believe in fundamentally is the creation of a pro-black capitalist class. A black capitalist class. But that is not going to lift the fortunes of the masses of black people. It's just not going to do that. So when your vet and Antonio go into the go into the data and go into the numbers of, of social economics, they are correct. And from where I sit, and this is no taking shots at Mr. Nasheed, but from where I sit, it looks like the, the hidden color money was was getting it was getting was drying up because he's done five of them. And so now he's looking for a new stream of, of, of income. Because, because uh, getting getting Negroes to fund your film projects and then turn them right back around and selling those film projects to the same Negroes who gave you the money to create it that business that bit my that business model is getting old and so now you have individuals like Mitch and Yvette Parnell and these individuals doing conferences. So now you want to do a conference because this is a new way for you to make money. That's what it looks like. See, because I'm, I'm not a fanboy. 
I'm not a sicko fan. I'm not just gonna rock with you because, because I like you. What that's what it looks like. What you're doing, Mr. Yeah, that's what it looks like you're doing, brother. Go ahead, just like why? Why are you moving in on their territory? Let them deal with that. They were dealing with that, and this is exactly what happens. See, the bottom line is, is that black people are the ultimate consumer base, even when it even from their own people and in terms of their own social, political and economic fortunes. It's easy to make merchandise. Out of that. Green, green, green Fort Bria said, whatever Antonio Moore and Yvette Carnell are talking about ain't going to help you either. None of these groups are going to help you. It's not even about that. My audio going in and out, Chaos? Let me see some. <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even about that. It's about making the government do what it's supposed to do. Now, I will say this, because you have all of these demographic shifts taking place. And as America moves to being a less white, Anglo-Saxon and Judeo-Christian nation, the two major political parties are going to become more dependent on diverse coalitions to maintain their prominence within national presidential politics. This is where we are. Which means that the Latino vote and the Hispanic vote actually garners more clout than the black vote. And the reason why is because blacks, number one, don't participate in large enough numbers as it relates to the as it relates to the political process and when they do they vote entirely democratic the election of barack obama is a scathing indictment of black first politics because the fact of the matter is that many of us including myself i'm guilty of it too we voted for obama simply because he was black and we were expecting something in return simply because he was black. Latinos garner more power within the political test match between Democrats and Republicans because they are a swing voting block. Has nothing to do with group economics. It's all about playing both ends against the middle. This is what Negroes refuse to acknowledge. Dr. Claude Anderson, in his interview with the Breakfast Club, said, okay, let's buy our politicians. This is part of his powernomics model. And with all due deference to the elder, I think this shows the datedness of his approach. Because in an era where Citizens United 
is the law of the land, which essentially says that cash is free speech and has basically given multi-conglomerate corporations, even multi-conglomerate international corporations, free range to buy politicians. You're telling us buy politicians as if we can compete with that. You cannot compete with that, Dr. Anderson. It's entirely legal for corporations that are even foreign to buy the politicians. It's, enti it's entirely legal for multi-conglomerate corporations to buy politicians. Corporations are people. They have the same rights you have. So just merely telling black people, well, we, we aggregate our money and, 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 and then buy the politicians. You cannot compete with these multi-conglomerate corporations doing that. I'm saying so how do you think that's going to work you create the political will by leveraging your vote by being a swing voting block not saying don't do the power thing, but I'm just telling you that's what you do it's not an either or you do both Exactly, ma'am. How are we going to compete with that? You have corporations that pay the CEO $50 million in one year. <laughs> and you think they're going to compete with that with buying the politicians? Really? Think. So, no, we have to raise the political sophistication of the Negro masses. We have to encourage science, technology, engineering, and math. We have to put a premium on education while also instilling a sense of racial pride, racial solidarity, black nationalist values. And create a new generation of movers and shakers who are not only racially aware and race conscious, but also are sophisticated and thorough enough to compete in a multicultural, uh, multicultural society and global marketplace. That's the methodology. That's the methodology. Exactly, Gab. So that's how you have to, that's how you have to do it. So, you know, I, I think to read and see to stick to documentaries. You it's obvious you do that well, so do that.
Let them handle what let them handle what they're handling. They have the ADOS movement, American descendants of slaves. Here you come creating another term. If, see, see what I'm talking about when I talk about the sect, the sectarianism that's prevalent in black society. We always find a new way to create to, 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 to section ourselves off. This is what we do. Now it's the foundational black American versus the ADOS. But before ADOS came out, Tariq, you wasn't talking about, you was on some Pan-African and shit, brother, I remember. So just like, like don't, don't come trying to move on what they doing. This is this is part of the reason why we can't get anywhere. Exactly, be money like it's it's obvious. ADOS was another. Look at it as that per se. I think ADOS has came into fruition to get some type of reparations for. American descendants of slavery, which is which is uh uh holy right, like it's correct. I, I agree with that. <laughs> you know what I mean, like American descendants of slaves should be compensated because this is this is the this is the entire uh this is the entire layout of how we get the wealth gap. This is how we get it. Exactly, Tama B. And now they've been going back and forth uh, on Twitter. All the, you know, all these. Like, oh, if, if you have a disagreement with Yvette Carnell's social political philosophy, why are you uh, talking about her vagina? Why? Why are you mentioning? dildos and strap-ons. What does that have to do with anything? If you have the, the, the better socio-political approach and philosophy, then debunk her argument. That's all you have to do. Exactly, Gab. Exactly, Chama. Gab <laughs> said, some people think they can use charisma to dominate any field they want. Chama B, we talk a good game about coming together, but when the time came, you make another group with a new name that means the same thing. Because for all their critiques about Dr. Claude Anderson, they didn't levy any, any personal attacks against the brother. I know I certainly haven't. This is a this is a philosophical uh, 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 disagreement. Exactly, Chama. Like, why are you even talking about that? But these are the people that we will look to as as thought leaders. Not to take anything away from them, but in, in, in my estimation, that's not a good look. If you have the better social political philosophy, then win the argument on the merits of the argument. 
because for whatever you want to say, it's not political. It's not politically expedient to isolate ourselves from the Democratic Party either. You play both ends against the middle. Even if you have to create your own third political party to apply pressure to both of those parties simultaneously. And that's what you do. See, that's what you do. Exactly, Gab. <laughs> it's a, uh, Gab said it's a low-level jab to talk about the bedroom while discussing political philosophy. Exactly. Like, how was how that winning your argument? If you have the better argument, what is this winning? You see? But this is, this is, this is, it's typically, uh, you know, what happens. Hold on, hold on a second. <clears throat> yeah, and, and see that's and, and, and that's that's the thing. Like even like they'll they'll talk about welfare, but corporations the like corporations get billions and billions of dollars in subsidies and, and corporate welfare. Like you you have corporations that effectively pay no taxes because of the subsidies. So that's a game that they run on us. That's game. Even if you look at the prime recipients of Section 8, the prime recipients, recipients of Section 8 are actually Hasidic Jews in New York City. Check that out. Look that up if you don't believe me. Exactly, Gab. What's up, Art? Uh-uh. <clears throat> That's the bottom line. Like, and, and this is, and, and think, think about this because this was even something that happened under Obama's watch when Obama came into office, and the big three automakers were about to go under. Think about that. Think about that. The three big automakers and American homegrown industry, the automobile industry, was about to be entirely taken over by the Asians. If it wasn't for the government stepping in and saving those big three automakers, the results would have been catastrophic. Shows the true chronology as it pertains to economics and finance. The politics is always in the forefront. And you can even make the case. Make that same argument, like if you wanted to make that same argument, 
you could even make the same argument that the, the black community is too big to fail. We need government help because we are the prime consumer base. And so in order to consume, we need economics. You can make that argument. We have a consumer-based economy. The economy is based on consumption. David Monroe said those bailouts were bad in the long run. I'm not. Uh, you, I don't even think you can, you can look at it like that. <laughs> in, 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 the, in the global theater of dominance and empire, America had to do it because you cannot afford to lose at home a homegrown American industry. <laughs> You can't, they, they couldn't afford that. What would that portend for their dominance in the global theater? They had to do it. See? They had to do it. So, like, when we're talking about on topics of black life, Black people and these different things, the metrics are going to be totally socioeconomic. All that other stuff is irrelevant. You have to look at the socioeconomic factors access to, to health care, education, home ownership, those metrics, those things, the things that typify industrialized first world nations and where we rank in comparison. See, so it's like even you have you have individuals making an argument about Asians. The Asians aren't politically active. The Asians don't do this. The Asians, the Asians don't do that. They don't vote. But you have to understand that that Asians benefit from the global politics, not the national politics. They benefit from the international politics because they have a home country that's advocating for them on their behalf in the global. Body politic. As American Negroes, you don't have that. You do not have that. Your home country is the one that's oppressing you. Your home country is the one that's depriving you. Your home country is the one that's disenfranchising you. So you don't have the same uh background that the Asians have. The Asians have a leg up in that regard, but they're still benefiting from the international politics. You see? That might be true, David. <laughs> but um, I'm not, I, that, that's it, y'all. I didn't, I didn't want to be here too long because I got stuff I got to do with Saturday. Um, but I did want to come on and give my brief thoughts on that. I've been, I, it's something I've been following on Twitter, um, be, because uh, like th th this issue is, is is passionate to me when we talk about this. I've done extensive research and study on it. I don't I don't believe in a uh, believe in a civil rights approach above a black nationalist approach, nor a black nationalist approach above a civil rights approach. I believe you do both. You hedge your bets. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. Exactly, big guy 671. You see? So um, that's all I have, y'all. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Share, like, and subscribe to the video. 
Uh, y'all know what it is. Make Black America great again or die trying. We out of here.